This Faith and Finance podcast is underwritten in part by Hope for Zambia, empowered by Family Legacy. Hope for Zambia, empowered by Family Legacy, is a ministry providing holistic care for over 14,000 vulnerable and orphaned children, spiritually, intellectually, physically, and emotionally. Whether distributing 5 million meals each year to children and young adults, or by empowering students to graduate from high school and go on to pursue trade school or a university education, Hope for Zambia believes that when you educate a child, you transform their world. Go to Hope for Zambia.com slash faith to give and change lives. Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Psalm 82, 3. Hi, I'm Rob West. That verse teaches that we should help the poor and orphans especially beyond simply providing the next meal or a place to sleep. We must also seek ways to lift the destitute out of poverty. I'll talk with Mario Zanstra about that today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Faith and Finance, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, Mario Zanstra is our guest today. He's the president and CEO of Family Legacy Missions International. And if you're unfamiliar with it, it's a ministry focused entirely on helping Zambia's orphans. Uh, Mario, welcome back to the program. Hey, Rob, it's so great to be back. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And Mario, most people understand that helping the poor often involves providing immediate critical assistance like food, shelter, and often even medicine. And Family Legacy started out that way. But in time, I know your focus has shifted. So tell us that story. Well, I think if you've uh, ever read the book, When Helping Hurts, which is a yeah. phenomenal book, it it makes you realize that that if you are always in the relief business, that you actually don't help them own their future. So we've kind of moved our vision from rescue and relief to really being a development organization, mm-hmm. trying to figure out how we can help them move into the future. So rescue and relief work can lead to dependence on third parties long-term. And we don't want to have a dependency relationship. We want them to become independent. So our desire is to develop our children, to provide them an education, to disciple them in a with Christian discipleship to teach them nutrition, provide medical care, help them unpack their trauma, which we believe leads to dignity. Hmm. Now, when appropriate, we might still need to provide rescue and relief and and have it be temporary. But long-term, we want to create independence for these young men and women and boys and girls that we have. Mm, So achieving dignity over dependence, you might say, that's a long-term solution, isn't it? Absolutely it is. Our goal is to impact this generation that works towards independence, absolutely loves Jesus, and is a giver to their community instead of a taker. Mm, That's powerful. I know stories always help to just kind of understand how this is working. So would you share one? Well, it's actually working, and it's working in an unusual way. It's by impacting the family as well Mm. as impacting the child. So we've partnered with Hope International, and we've started these savings clubs And uh, we are allowing our people, and they go through this training, biblical training on how to manage money. We also are partnering with a group that is allowing us to use a curriculum called Literacy Evangelism. And so we're teaching the caregivers how to read. Well, if they know how to read and the child comes home and needs reading help, the caregiver is there. 
And here's a great story. We had a woman who went through the program. She put money in week after week. She got to a point where her balance was high enough where she could borrow money back. She would go to the market and buy a case of water and come back and sell that bottle, that water, a bottle at a time. Well, two things happened. One, she doubled her income overnight. Hmm. She had an opportunity to feed her children. She has dignity. She's teaching her children that she cares for to have dignity. And we are helping her think about her future, which then helps her kids think about, hey, listen, my caregiver has figured out a way to care for herself. Maybe I can too. Mm, Wow, that's powerful. Mario, we have just about a minute left. Give us just a macro sense of the need that exists there uh, as you serve in Zambia. You know, it's interesting. When you think about Zambia, Zambia um, is one of the poorest countries in the world. And uh, they got their independence in 1964, just like South Korea did. They became independent. South Korea said, we're going to take no government funding from other governments. We are going to make this happen on our own. And Zambia took money from the beginning. Hmm. South Korea today has the fifth largest economy in the world, and Zambia is still struggling on the bottom end of the spectrum. What's happening there is, is that it's actually perpetuating a problem. And what we're trying to do is to help our kids not be part of the perpetuation of a problem, but be part of the solution. Learn how to be independent. How do you help make a third world economy become a first world economy? Sometimes it's by having a university degree and working in accounting or law or becoming a doctor or a nurse, but it might be becoming a farmer and employing your fellow citizens and helping them live independent too. Wow, that's powerful. Well, you all are getting it done on the ground there in Zambia, changing lives for eternity. We appreciate you stopping by, Mario. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Rob. All right. You can learn more about this incredible work at FamilyLegacy.com. That's FamilyLegacy.com. Back with your questions just after this. Stay with us. When we follow Jesus, the things of this world grow strangely dim. We focus less on ourselves and more on God's kingdom. In Michael Blue's book, Free to Follow, we're reminded to surrender everything to Jesus and follow Him. Free to Follow explores what the Bible says about money and possessions and challenges you to rethink the way you view and use them. Request a copy of Free to Follow with your gift of any amount to faithfi.com slash follow. We are grateful for support from LightPoint Portfolios, which seeks out family and faith-friendly investments for 401k and 403b plans, integrating faith values and fiduciary duty. LightPoint Portfolios offers retirement plans for a variety of organizations such as businesses, nonprofits, and churches. And we're grateful for their sponsorship of the Faith and Finance Program. More information is available at lightpointportfolios.com. Welcome back. This is Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. We're taking your calls today, 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. By the way, you don't have to call. Just send an email, askrob at faithfi.com. That's askrob at faith, the letters F-I dot com. Uh, to Fort Myers, Wayne, you're going to be next on the program. Go ahead, sir. Uh, I've got a 26-year-old disabled son. He gets disability, um, and he has 
he works part time as many hours as he can. But we've saved about we've pretty much saved all of his money. So uh, I'm in my seventies. My wife is almost seventy, and we were just thinking, wondering what would be the best way to invest his money so that he can have it available for him long term. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. Uh, have you looked at uh, a special needs trust? Has anybody recommended that to you? No, never even heard of it. Okay. Yeah. So an estate attorney could set that up for you. Essentially, a special needs trust allows you to receive income. You place assets in the, in the trust, and then he would be able to receive income throughout the rest of his life. But the key with a special needs trust is it doesn't reduce his eligibility with those assets inside it for public assistance disability benefits provided by Social Security, SSI, or even Medicaid. So those assets would be able to be there and, you know, you would be able to give direction as to even beyond your life, how they're to be distributed to him. But the fact that they don't reduce his eligibility for that public assistance disability benefits, I think is really key. Um, it costs you a little bit of money to set it up, probably somewhere between, you know, one and $2,000. But at least you'd know that, you know, those assets were in there and uh, would be protected. And uh, there could be very specific instructions as to how it's distributed. Does that make sense? Oh, it sounds great. I just I had never heard of that, but that's kind of what we were looking for. We figured there must be something out there. We're just used <laughs> to that. Yeah, very good. So what I would do is contact an estate attorney to ask about a special needs trust. You could call your church and see if there's someone there that they might recommend. Otherwise, just head over to our website, faithfi.com. That's faithfi.com. Click find a CKA. And when you call any certified kingdom advisor there in the Fort Myers area, just ask for a referral to a godly estate attorney. They'll all have one that they refer to. And uh, you could schedule a visit and perhaps uh, get that uh, put in place. So uh, hopefully that's helpful to you, Wayne. We appreciate you being on the program, sir. God bless you. Cleveland, Ohio. Hi, Teresa. Go right ahead. Hi, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my question today for you is around um, my husband is getting to retire. He'll be 62 in four years. Um, we are debt-free other than our mortgage, and we have, uh, we're just shy of a million in our retirement accounts. Um, the market beat us up a little bit over the last couple of years. Um, yeah. it, on the mortgage piece, my husband's investments are just in investment accounts. They're not in 401ks or retirement accounts. Um, he does have a Roth, but that's probably the smallest of the accounts. Um, we're wondering, because he will have a nice pension coming from his job as well when he retires, if it makes sense to go ahead and take the money out of the investment accounts and just go ahead and pay this mortgage off. So going into retirement, we are debt-free. Yeah. How far away are you from retirement? Four years. He's, okay. he's four years away. I'm, well, I'm a retired pharmaceutical rep and I'm doing gig work right now. Yeah. Um, okay, good. And um, what is the balance on the mortgage? It's, Two hundred and thirty-one thousand and change. Okay. Yeah, and um, are both of you excited about paying it off? Is there one that prefers this option and one would rather stick with the investments? Give me a sense of what you and your husband have talked about. I think we're—he's very nervous about the market volatility. 
we don't like having that payment every month. So yeah. <laughs> I think we're, yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good, you know, we're both yeah. kind of just uncertain and we're looking for, you know, sure. just direction. Yeah. Yeah. That's helpful. Well, uh, first of all, I like the idea of you being debt-free as you enter retirement. It sounds like, and tell me if this is true, that once he starts collecting his pension, you all think you'll be able to cover your bills without touching this portfolio. Is that true? We're, we're hoping we wouldn't, we wouldn't have to for quite a while. Yeah. Okay. Because and when you say quite a while, the retire, well, cause my piece of the, re, the, the investment accounts, we won't be able to get to for a while. Cause I'm 10 years younger than him. Okay. Uh, part of the million dollars are you talking about? Correct. Correct. Okay. But I thought you said it was all in taxable accounts, not in retirement accounts. My my part of the million dollars are in IRAs. Oh, okay. And what's the breakdown between uh, retirement accounts and non-retirement accounts, roughly? Probably about two-thirds is in retirement accounts and about a third is not. Okay. Um, and w- you're thinking that um, why would you need an income stream down the road from this million, but you wouldn't need it right when you start retirement? We're just thinking that as soon as he retires, he's going to probably still, you know, probably be picking up another part-time job. Got it. Uh, But have you done your budget to look at what we might be spending in retirement? Let's say you're like the typical retiree and it's, you're spending 80% of your pre-retirement income. If you were to put that budget together and then compare that to your retirement assets, not including you all working, do you have any idea what your shortfall would be, which would have to come from this roughly million dollar portfolio today? Well, we've, just looking at what he would have from the pension and the social security, that would more than cover what that in terms of 80%, that would cover that. Okay. Yeah. So all that was really helpful background. Thank you for that, Teresa. So here's my thought. Number one is you said this portfolio has been beat up. Um, So I don't love the idea of you pulling out a lot of money right now. I'd love for you to let it recover. Um, Is it going to recover? Yes, absolutely. I I feel like it will. Uh, We have some problems, you know, economically that are going to come to roost, I think, much further down the road. I think right now, for the near term, we're going to get through this recession. We're going to get through this inflation and interest rate hikes. And once the markets knows that the Fed's done raising rates and we can see the light at the end of the tunnel on the recession. There's a lot of money on the sidelines uh, that will come rushing back in. This market will move to a new high. You will recover what you lost and you could perhaps get more conservative then. I would recommend you have an advisor. But as soon as that money comes out, whether it's through the retirement accounts, which is taxable, or through the the non-retirement account portion, uh, you've locked in your losses. Now you can't recover. So I would tend to err on the side of let's kind of let this recover before we do a whole lot. Uh, The other option is, well, or in addition to that, I would say let's make a goal for you all to be completely debt-free by the time you're fully retired, meaning no longer working, and maybe we step into this. One option is on that one-third that's out of retirement accounts, you could do some tax loss harvesting. So there's a way for you to take some losses on on a strategic basis, sell them, 
save taxes and then use that money uh, to either reinvest or to pay off the mortgage. But again, that's where an advisor comes in. So I'd really love an advisor to put a whole plan together for you guys that gets you from now to four years from now with this goal of being debt-free and being really strategic about how you go about that. I wouldn't rush into paying it off all right now unless you just have a real conviction from the Lord. We need to be debt-free. The Lord told us that and then go for it. But apart from that, I'd be a little patient, let this recover, and be strategic about how you pay it down from a tax advantage to standpoint. I hope that helps you. I want to get your thoughts, but I'm out of time. So stay on the line. We'll talk a bit off the air and we'll be right back. Stay with us. Hope for Zambia, empowered by Family Legacy, is a ministry providing hope to vulnerable and orphaned children in Zambia by investing into their spiritual, intellectual, physical, and emotional growth and well-being. Whether distributing 5 million meals each year to students or empowering them to graduate from high school and go on to pursue post-secondary education, we believe that when you educate a child, you change their world. Go to hopeforzambia.com faith to transform a life. Hey, Greg, I need some advice. Oh, what's up? I'm really struggling with finding ways to cut back. With costs going up, especially in healthcare, what do you guys do? Oh, uh, we use CHM, Christian Healthcare Ministries. It's a health cost sharing ministry that's been sharing members' eligible medical bills for over 40 years. Sure helped us stick to our budget. Hmm. Uh, here's the website chministries.org. chministries.org. Thankful to have you with us today on Faith and Finance. I'm Rob West. Got some lines open, 800-525-7000. Back to the phones we go to Tampa. Hey, Mike, thanks for calling. Go ahead, sir. Hey, so yeah, my name is Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, So yeah, I wanted to give a testimony. I I heard you was asking for testimony. So I started listening to, um, you know, Faith and Finance, Money Matters, and all those other ones with Larry Burkett and Howard Dayton years ago. Yeah, uh, and through that time, I've been faithful, try to be faithful in my finances, getting out of debt, and so now I'm completely out of debt. My home is paid off, uh, uh, my car is paid off, uh, can, no credit card debt, pay it off every month. I got a pretty decent um, emergency fund, uh, so in in you know for in case of emergencies or whatever. But I just wanted to give you a testimony for that, and I That's I great. read uh, been reading Howard Dayton book, Your Money Counts, and actually give it out to other people as well. Excellent. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But I I do have a question. So given that, that I do have assets, uh, properties, and stuff like that, I I was wondering, how should I protect that? Should I consider putting it in a trust or maybe get an umbrella policy? Yeah. You know, it's a great question. First of all, thanks for sharing your story. You know, as we apply these principles, we put ourselves in a position to experience God's best. It doesn't mean we'll be without challenges. We live in a fallen world. We're certainly going to have them. But when we faithfully handle over a long period of time God's money, following His wisdom, uh, you know, limiting our lifestyle, living simply, avoiding the use of debt, uh, living within our means, giving generously, saving for the future, having margin, you know, 
that results in the fruit that uh, Mike is describing here today, and uh, the the testimony for that goes uh, to the Lord, because obviously those principles come right out of Scripture. Uh, Mike, in terms of asset protection, yeah, I think the first thing you want to look at is uh, an umbrella policy, uh, you know, that uh, is going to step in with any kind of lawsuit beyond existing coverage. So if you were to have a car accident and, you know, something catastrophic happened and you exceeded the limits on your uh, coverage, your automobile coverage, that's where that umbrella policy would kick in. And for a fairly reasonable amount of money, you could get a two or even a $5 million policy that would, you know, immediately kick in and cover uh, something beyond that. The same would apply with a homeowner's policy. If you had somebody that was injured on your uh, you know, property and uh, it, the, it exceeded the, uh, the limits of that homeowner's policy, that umbrella policy would kick in. So I think that makes a lot of sense. You can have whoever you, uh, you know, get your insurance from property and casualty quote that for you, and you'll probably uh, be surprised at how reasonable it is. Of course, disability insurance uh, in the event you have an accident or a medical condition. In terms of a trust, I mean, you could certainly talk to an estate attorney. I am not one just about ex extra asset protection. My general knowledge would tell you that that would have to be an irrevocable trust, and you probably don't want to do that because you no longer have control over those assets. And a living or revocable trust won't protect your assets in the same way because, well, it can be revoked or closed, and a court could order that you do that. And so, um, you know, that's where I think that umbrella policy for most folks is really the next step uh, to protect assets once you've accumulated uh, some, some significant wealth. Um, so I would check with your insurance agent on that. But if you wanted to go a step further, I would uh, contact an estate attorney, someone who could really guide you on asset protection uh, beyond uh, an insurance policy. Listen, all the best to you, my friend. Thanks for your kind remarks. And we appreciate you being on the program today. Uh, to Cleveland, Ohio. Hi, Helen. Go right ahead. I have my a credit card and I pay my credit card off every month. Uh, do not carry any balances or anything, so I never pay any interest on it. But what I do do is when I'm going to make large purchases, I will make the large purchase on the credit card, then take the money that I have uh, to pay that credit card off. So I'm gaining um, Sky Miles on that, and then I use yeah. the Sky Miles to travel. And so my question is, is this something that – is there a problem with this? Because what I do notice is that my FICO score will go – it will be at one time maybe 835, then it might go down to like 810. Is this a, a something that I should be turned uh, be concerned about? Normally, it doesn't go any lower than 810, but okay. still, I'm just wondering – is yeah, a good thing it's not a concern, uh, Helen, although it's not surprising, and I'll tell you why it's happening. But given what you said right there at the end about the fact that even on the low end, you're still above 800, I wouldn't be concerned. You're still going to qualify for the very best rates and terms if you're out there seeking credit. And most days and months and years, you're probably not even looking for any credit. You're not buying a house, buying a car, applying for a new credit card. And then it doesn't even really matter at that point, unless you're looking for a new, you know, a, a job and your employer's using your credit score as a part of that consideration. So I wouldn't be terribly concerned about it, given how high your credit score already is. And the low end of that range you're seeing is still north of 800. You really have nothing to worry about. Uh, the reason it's happening probably has to do with the, uh, closing date of your statement, um, your your billing cycle. So what's happening is you're charging up in some months these large amounts. You have the money to pay it off. You're coming in and paying it off probably after the due date. 
Um, and when you do that, uh, it's being uh, reported to the credit bureau that you still uh, owe that amount, even though you've already come in and paid it off. And so that's pushing your credit utilization up, which just means you have a certain limit on that card and the balance that's owed, which you're paying off, but the credit bureau doesn't know that because it was reported to them as you still owed it as of the last date of the cycle. It's causing that uh, credit utilization to to spike. And if it gets up above 30%, that's going to pull your credit score down. Um, so the way to avoid that would be you would go in and pay off that balance prior to the end of that billing cycle so that when it's reported to the bureau, it's reported at zero, which is what's happening anyway. It's just happening probably a few days or a week after the end of the cycle. Um, but again, if you don't want to go through that hassle of paying it before the end of the cycle, um, I wouldn't worry about it because, you know, again, anything north of 800 is a good score, but that would be the way to avoid some of that fluctuation. Does that make sense? Uh, yes, I think it does. And what I do sometimes is I know that if I don't charge something until after the 23rd of the month, it, it won't come on the bill that's due for the next month. It'll go on to the bill for the following month. And that even gives me more time to fl- to float it. And so yeah. that's what I'm doing, too. So m- maybe what I should do is, uh, you know, be a little bit more careful with that then. Yeah, I think that's right. Again, it's not going to affect you because if you're not out seeking credit and even if you are, you still got a great score at the bottom end of that range. But if you wanted to really try to maximize your score, you would just want to figure out what's the end of my billing cycle. You'd maybe log in online a few days before that, go ahead and pay the balance in full so that when the cycle ends and the balance is reported, it's showing a zero balance. And that would be the very best way to go because then your utilization for that card is at zero. I hope that's helpful to you, Helen. We appreciate your call today. Well, we're almost out of time. If you like today's program, why not share it with a friend? And while you're at it, share the FaithFi app with them as well. Help us get the word out. Thanks for listening and sharing. And I hope you'll come back and join us again next time for another edition of Faith and Finance. Faith and Finance is provided by FaithFi and listeners like you.